everybody. Um, welcome to episode number 53 of the John Riley Project. It's Thursday, May 30th, right? 2019. Uh, right. Yeah, May 30th, 2019. I'm very pleased to have as my guest here, Matthew B. Mitchell, here on the John Riley Project. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. Thanks for including the B. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was just really happy when we met. We got to know each other over social media, and, and I kind of prepared a nice little intro. So I want to give the audience an idea of who you are. Good, and there's like, like some great lines here. So Poway resident, mm-hmm. family man, mm-hmm. a scientist, mm-hmm. a business person, a culture and engagement champion, which I'm hoping we're going to talk a lot about. <laughs> um, a mentor at the Price Char- Price Charter School. Do you say Price or Price? Yeah, it's Price. Price. Yeah, Price. Uh, Dr. Seuss guy. Yeah, it's a, yeah exactly. Yeah, I know yeah. it's at UCSD. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. An active listener. Which Try I, to be. <laughs> I like that because I've been trying to do that in this podcast is to be an active listener. Because yeah. I think that's a good role for me to play. Yeah. Um, a constant learner. Me too. Mm. A long distance runner. Mm-hmm. That's my daughter is a long distance runner. And we can talk about that too. Yes. She's a triathlete. Oh, um, this is the town. For yeah. That. So we can have fun mm. with that. But mm. it's so many things here we can go into. Um, but I know that I like to just tee it up with the conversation that we were having online on Facebook in yes. the aftermath of the Poway Habad shooting. Yeah. And, you know, our whole community here in Poway, we've been going through this grieving process. Mm. And, People have been coming together in, in some positive ways. Mm-hmm. People have been saying, well, hey, wait a minute. We, we still have issues we need to fix. We need mm-hmm. to address. Mm-hmm. And how do we address those? And that was part of the conversation in Facebook. We were all sort of struggling how to get through that healing process. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that might be a great place for us to start. And we'll see where the conversation goes from there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you for the intro. Okay. John. Yeah. And uh, uh, and for the platform, for the opportunity, for having the conversation. Yeah, right you know, on. I think it's an important conversation to have. Um, maybe I'll even go back before the synagogue shooting for a second and Please. just like te- like flesh out a little bit of what brings me here to your table. Okay. Um, so I do work in this space of inclusion and diversity and equity and how do we all do this thing together. Yeah. Uh, I think I've come to that environment by virtue of my history. Uh, so my father's a black man from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, my mother's an Irish immigrant, came here in 1969. They got married, had my sister and I. My sister's married to a woman. Um, and my family has gone through all of the changes around that. Wow. And uh, I think, and, and I grew up kind of in the country as kind of a, a country mouse, I like to think, in Lompoc, California, central coast of California. Yeah. And have the benefit of all those perspectives, kind of a conservative environment growing up. It's like gun racks and Fords and Chevys, <laughs> yes, you know, working in the fields. Yeah, it is. And then, uh, you know, my dad's racial lens, my mother's immigrant and racial lens. And then, you know, my sister's uh, experience has informed kind of my awareness as I then step into Poway and where we are now. Um, we moved here in August of last year. We live right kind of over in Stone Ridge. We could have, we were laughing. We would have that whole conversation about the golf course maybe at some point. (laughs) But, uh, one of my large considerations, we've been here since 02. Uh, I came to kind of pursue science and chemistry in 02. Uh, but one of our major considerations was the fact that Poway is not the most diverse place in San Diego. 
It is not. Let's just be real. Yeah, right? it's not. And we had been in Mira Mesa for most of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really appreciated being able to walk into grocery stores where no one is speaking English and being able to look across counters where people there's a gap in my cultural understanding yeah. and, and having my kids in those kinds yeah. of environments and really yeah. feeling enriched by those kinds of mm-hmm. uh, levels of awareness. Mm-hmm. And um, so that is the backdrop for then the comments that I made into our little Poway neighbors yeah. Facebook group Yeah, um, that I think you know, I might not have been the most helpful. I, I really appreciate the fact that we're actually sitting here having this conversation because I think you you have have created a lane to talk as Powegians about the stuff that goes on here, and this was a really kind of charged, obviously, topic. Poway becomes oh. one in the long list in this country of it's huge, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of race based violence, and. Um, you know, what do we do with that? And so I think you, you were really trying to c- open up a space to have the conversation. Yes. And I gave you a couple pokes you and did. critiques around what I thought the value or lack of value that was right. a- around having kind of some of the Martin Luther King conversations and the Rodney King stuff. Yeah. And, um, but you were gracious enough to kind of listen and lean in to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we find ourselves here now chatting about that. Right. Um, uh, what's true for me is that we in this country, and I think that this is some of what we've been talking about online and people come at this from different angles and it's tough. Race is like a challenging conversation to have, right? Very hard. Really hard. Yeah. Um, we have some just painful history that hasn't yes. really been, speaking of grief and healing, like yes. I just don't know that we've really reconciled. No, we haven't. Uh, or even really started to in a, mm-hmm. in a fundamental way. So, you know, some of the initial chats were about, well, why, how are you turning the Shabbat shooting into <clears throat> a race conversation? That was some of the initial kind of like, wait a minute, this is like a race baiting conversation. And where I was trying to drive the chat was, well, a lot of these occurrences are happening at the hands of angry white guys. A lot of the like, in the church, big gun, let's go shoot some people. Yeah. And that whatever, that there was something perhaps worth exploring in that. And, you know, the, the worlds that I come out of, so I, I usually have this conversation both in cultural context and in church context, right? So the church has a lot of kind of complicity historically that like specifically kind of evangelical oh, church. for sure. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. the Christian Knights of the Ku Klux Klan yeah. yes. all this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah, and, and even real. beyond that though, like, you know, the, the, the papal decrees that came out of Rome at the time of colonialism to go out and conquer yeah. and take land yes. and bodies on land um, became fraught with... Um, whiteness really early on. So so we can go back there or we can just start with the genesis of this country and slavery and all these kinds of things and look at that history and say, and then look today at the gross disparities in access to resources and education mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the rates at which we lock folks up and the yes. rates at which folks die and see there are kind of clear lines <laughs> uh, that are racially striated in my in my estimate. Another another lens to look at is really, and one that we typically talk about, is just Fortune 500 leadership, Fortune 500 company leadership, 90% white dudes. Right. Uh, and white folks are the minority population like on the planet. So how, how and then, and then, you know, how do we, 
um, wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we when the globe is getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, I was all over the globe last year, and and uh, you know, in India and Singapore and all across the country, having this conversation. And it is mm-hmm. an interesting. Um, it's a very it's very real. This kind of differentiation based on where you're from, right? Right. And uh, my particular call in it here as a San Diegan and before a Powhegan, I guess, and as a scientist before all of that is to think of creative ways to really have create the space yeah. and have the real conversations so th- about this, that. This is great because yeah. we all come from a different place. Mm-hmm. You know, physically, a different mm-hmm. city, Lompoc. I, I was born and raised in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, but we all come from a different place uh, in our background, our family history, mm-hmm. which you highlighted on mm-hmm. yours, and I, mm-hmm. I have my own history. Yeah. Um, and we all see the world through different lenses. But we often will recognize, for the most part, Mm. there's some exceptions to this rule, but we all generally agree that certain problems exist. They're real. You know, some of these, Mm. um, I mean, well, you you have the Poway Habad shooting, it's like right in your face. There's a a real problem. But Mm. we've known that that problem's been existing for a while. Mm. For, we can go back centuries. Mm -hmm. It's existed in various Mm. forms. Mm. But, Having this discussion is the mm. helpful thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. Like you say, create a lane. Mm-hmm. In this podcast, I want to have these conversations, mm-hmm. talk it through, mm-hmm. and learn, mm-hmm. be an active listener. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident that when I walk out of this conversation with you, I'm going to learn something. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you'll do the same. And and we'll be better for that. Mm-hmm. And we'll, our community will be better for that. Mm-hmm. And we're all coming from different angles and different perspectives. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we're going to see things exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're going to see things different, Mm -hmm. but we have the same ultimate destination. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to solve problems, but maybe Mm -hmm. we see it differently. And that's why we come up with different solutions. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. this is exciting to talk about. I agree. Yeah. I agree. agree. What, when I say uh, white privilege, what does that like? poke somewhere is that challenging as an idea if when i first started hearing it it did yeah because i did not come from a family of privilege yeah, yeah. in fact for me it was the, the opposite mm-hmm. um and so it 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 always struck me as a stereotype mm-hmm. now certainly there are some people no doubt about it yeah. they're privileged and they're white mm-hmm. but there are a lot of white people that aren't privileged so I always had a challenge with it and on its definition. Mm-hmm. But when I try to walk as best I can in the shoes of someone that's not white, mm-hmm. I can see how they would come to that conclusion mm-hmm. that there's white privilege. Mm-hmm. But I never take it personally. Like it's not, I don't take mm-hmm. it like a jab at me, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I always kind of, tilt my head like the RCA dog. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've heard that before, and that makes a lot of sense, I think, particularly when we th- are thinking about it from the lens of, like, resource access or, you know, truly folks come up in different ways, and how can you tell me that I have any privilege if I've scrapped and fought myself? And I think <clears throat> the awareness that folks in the world that I live in 
try to create for folks, white dudes like yourself, yeah. around um, the milieu that we're all swimming in. So, for instance, one thing that stands out for me on TV shows, it's really been new that you've ever seen, like, an interracial couple, like, kiss on TV. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, right? that's very right. recent. Like, that's, like, I'm seeing everyone. Like, you can feel all the ad companies trying to be like, not us. Like, we're, you know, yeah, like, we're, right. we're good with all yeah, the yeah. things. <laughs> you know? Yeah, You can feel totally. people. But remember, and, that was yeah. Captain Kirk that started yeah. it. Yeah. But me, I think you might be right. Yeah. I, yeah. In an early yes, episode yes, of Star Trek. Yes, yes. I'm bringing Zeke up to you speed know. on Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. But, but but yeah, it, 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 that's very recent. Yes. So so what I'm trying to illustrate yeah. in that, or even when we would go through like the checkout line, like every pretty face is a white face typically. Like, like all the billboards, Cosmo magazine, oh, all that. Man. Yeah. yeah, like everything well, that you're pushed. But it's changing. No, no, no I'm just ch- saying historically. historically and even even yeah. it, it, yes, you're seeing. You know, it's not what it was, but it continues to be like, oh, that's you know, oh. Yeah. You know, that's kind of new. Yes, so the, the milieu, the thing that Martin Luther King was talking about, the thing that Malcolm X was talking about, the thing that a lot of people stay talking about, you know, we just had a black president, right? So so our culture is still trying to figure its way forward, but by and large, we live, and, and I use just that stat around, you know, the majority of Fortune 500 companies are run by white males. Now, we can either say that's because there's something specific and unique about white guys that makes them like top of the pile. Because that's kind of been what it was. That's the story that's kind of been born out of out of slavery is, you know, white supremacy was kind of used as the justification for slavery instead of mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. you know, well, yeah, you're right. it was. You, it you was. know what I mean? Like, like yeah. oh, folks, there's this racial difference. Yeah. Black folks are slavish or better, you know, like, like somehow they're inferior in a way. And, and, and so you run that dialogue versus the dialogue that access to power and opportunity is is that of white folks in this country well yeah b- both are true but both are true mm-hmm. uh, like which not, what do you mean by both well obviously blacks lack access in a lot yeah, of yeah, cases yeah, yeah. Yeah, now yeah, there are exceptions yeah. to the rule but yeah. you know generally speaking that's true yeah. but you're right on the other side of it. It, it it's like the um remember that al campanis quote in the late 80s and he was on uh, Nightline. Me. No. He was the former general manager of the L.A. Dodgers. Okay. And it was during, it was like, I can't remember, it was like maybe the 40-year anniversary mm. of Jackie Robinson's entry into you know, yeah. Breaking the mm. Color Barrier. Mm. And the, he asked, the Ted Koppel asked him the question. He said, why do we not see more blacks in positions of management mm-hmm. uh, as a manager or a general yeah. management in the, in the front office? And Al Campana said blacks lack the necessities for those positions. Mm-hmm. So he was playing the white supremacy thing where blacks didn't have the abilities that whites play. And and I it was complete nonsense. But that shows that it well, was Well, those are two different words though. So necessities versus abilities, I'm kind of I kind of if you frame that simply from um access to the skill sets required to lead those organizations, there might be some truth to that, that there hasn't been enough. So, oh. so, so you could look at football fields and basketball fields, basketball courts, and just say, white men can't jump, black guys <laughs> got this whole thing locked down, and right. there's something specific about black guys that makes them particularly attuned to these, this kind of athleticism. There's probably some truth in there, yeah. but can, does that mean that they can't run the organizations? No. Yeah, but but right. you created particular pipelines out of these communities that either go into entertainment, sports, or prisons that 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 I think um, 
is my biased perspective, perhaps, but I think there's the, this is where I'm what I believe that uh, don't um, train and educate folks You're in right. a way that equip them to then stand in front of groups and, and lead in those ways. You're right. You're absolutely those opportunities right. haven't been created. You're correct. Because dollars are made on these lines. Yes. Because at the end of the day, they're still just participating in these behaviors and, and sports right. and entertainment and, and but prisons, the way it but came not off, running them. The way it came off with Al Campanis is... They don't have the, 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 what it takes. Yeah, yeah. he, he, yeah, he it was it. like you know, one race was superior to the other yeah, yeah, when it yeah, comes yeah. to management. Yeah, but on yeah. the ball field, hey, yeah, we yeah, love yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. That's how it yeah, came off. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. in many cases, there are a lot of people it, that predominantly people of color, but mm-hmm. even white yeah. folks in yeah, some yeah. cases mm-hmm. are blocked access. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of it goes to education. Mm-hmm. A lot of it goes to criminal justice. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's serious. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem. Yeah. There's a guy, uh, Brian Stevenson, who wrote a book called Just Mercy. He's a uh, advocate kind of in the criminal justice system. He's a defense attorney. And he also actually created this huge uh, lynching memorial. I think it's in Atlanta, maybe. He got money from Google and other places to start to do something that many other countries have done uh, around truth and reconciliation. They've tried to pull it off in Canada. It's most famous probably in South Africa after apartheid. They've done it in uh, Germany, too, after the Holocaust, in Rwanda with the Hutus and Tutsis, Mm -hmm. that environment, too. And I actually use the Hutu and Tutsis example often to say, you know, what we're talking about, this resistance to difference, this kind of tribalism, this bias, mm-hmm. is just deeply woven. You yes, know, it as, is. as a scientist, they'll tell you. You know, we've spent more time running around sub-Saharan Africa, kind of in, in tribal mindsets, than we have in this kind of modern age where we're trying to kind of we don't actually have to fight hand to hand to survive anymore. But that's mm-hmm. kind of a new thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> so our brains are wired to quickly assess the millions of pieces of information and decide what's good or bad real right. quickly. Mm-hmm. And I. I find it's helpful to kind of ground the conversation there and take some of the charge off of like, oh, white supremacy, racism, bigotry, you know, misogyny, you're this and that, like, and throw the names and the words that are charged and just kind of start talking about your brain and your bias, which we all have. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all are wired to make these assessments and decide what's in or out. And so the work of consciously kind of reducing the distance between our ideas and reality mm-hmm. is just is like you know the work we do to go to the gym lose weight you know find a new job or wh- whatever you know you build that muscle that's my my belief so back to brian stevenson for a minute so he, he wrote the book just mercy he created this lynching memorial which is graphic but so cathartic at the same time so what he's done is he's gone around to the various uh documented sites of lynchings in this country and gathered like a jar of dirt and so he has a wall of kind of these jars he's then additionally there's this this monument of like hanging cement cinders it's you know imagine a big grassy area a kind of barn-like enclosure with no walls and all you see are these like kind of rectangles of steel I don't know they're steel or cement, and they're just all hanging there, and they're all meant to commemorate the various. It's like four thousand of them, or something. But you come up on it, whoa! And I haven't been there. I've just seen pictures. My friends have gone, and it's literally, you know, it's it's uh, moving. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Imagine. And and the call or the offer he has though is then around in that square is a plaque that each city 
or municipality for that is represented by a lynched person yeah. to be able to take that plaque and put it in their environment and commemorate like this happened here. We recognize it and we're not going back here as a way to kind of um, do that truth and reconciliation thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a guy I follow uh, Richard Rohr. He's kind of a heretical Franciscan priest dude in, in New Mexico. I'm surprised they allow him to stay within the fold because he's, he's, he speaks some really radical truths. But he says that there can be no um, consolation without confrontation. And I think hmm. we're all aware of this, even in our own relationships. Like my wife, you know, I can't cozy all up if I've just totally ignored something she had to say that was important. Of course. Yeah. Right. So yeah. until we do that repair, until we have a moment of like, okay, my bad, you know, yeah. I did that thing I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? We yeah, all have, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it just so makes so much sense, mm-hmm. like relationally at the, at the micro, that it's, it's a, no wonder that we are still writhing in this kind of unprocessed, unconscious reality mm-hmm. that... You know, there are some folks in this organ. The way that we've set our culture up benefits some folks and really uh, does harm to some other folks in ways that are unconscious and we haven't fully kind of mm-hmm. metabolized. I agree. Yeah, and and, you know. and sometimes that breaks down on racial lines, mm-hmm. and sometimes on other lines. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, there. Are, there. The, the good news is, is I think we're making progress, right? We're breaking down some of those barriers. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more that used to exist, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we still have a long way to go. Yes. I, yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you feel me resisting, right? Like I'm going to be like, wow, but, and, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, my folks came up in a time when there were still places where it was illegal to have interracial marriage. They were turned away in certain spots in L.A. from like, you know, renting a spot or, or whatever because of just people's lack of comfort with that yeah. dynamic. Um, but more and more, you know, just by virtue of us all being in this together, you see people mixing and getting closer to one another and it, and figuring it out. It's so. interesting. Um, I want to tell this story mm. is. Um, I remember when I was young and I was mm. being raised, uh, the idea of interracial marriage was mm. like very taboo. Oh yeah, you know, because oh, yeah, everybody yeah. was segregated yeah, yeah, yeah. and and like, some religion, I, baby. And I think yeah. my, I mean, I know this is a ridiculous mm. reference, but mm. I think one of my first exposures to it was on the TV show The Jeffersons. Oh, because yeah, remember there was an interracial yeah, yeah, couple. Yes. They didn't yeah, have yeah, children. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, because we'd hate to infer that they were doing anything else. On the yeah, show. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then that was another part of it. It, yeah. it, it, it. I remember hearing this from people, you know, um, in my community. Yeah. And there was uh, two doors down from where we raised um, a white family, yeah. and the the um, I know it was a white daughter married a black man. And this mm. is like in 1971 or something mm. like that, which mm. was like, whoa, yeah. you know, but then people would, they evolve to a point where they say, yeah, it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, but don't have children, yes. you know, is that wouldn't yes. be right. Yes. And then you're thinking yes. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And now we're getting to the point where there's so much mixing of races that in some ways it 
breaks down the barriers. Mm. And then you see some of these supermodels on the cover of these magazines yeah, in the yeah, checkout. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of times they're mixed race and they're yeah. the most beautiful people on the planet. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah. It's incredible yeah. how it's shifted. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I do think that we have, um, that their progress has been made. There is more space for this conversation. You know, Blackish is a show on, on, I don't know what network it is, but Blackish was mm-hmm. an interesting show that kind of shows some of that progression of nuance within even a black paradigm of kind of, you know, I guess it's maybe upper middle class black stuff. Some similar to, to, um, you know, the Cosby show and, and, and that, what it did for, for black folks to kind of highlight progress, essentially, yeah, in a yeah. different, different access. Yeah. Um, uh, there was something that came up there, though, when you were talking about the neighbors uh, and some of this progress. I, I think some people get prickly and get antibodies to what you just said because it's easier to kind of exoticize and go like, uh, you know, they're like this exotic other thing than it is to actually do the work. So there's one thing to say they're beautiful and like take a look at them as an as a thing, an interracial yeah. thing. You know? Yeah. Like let me touch your hair and all that stuff. People people have all yeah. these like I, feelings yeah. about like don't touch me. Yeah. I'm not an object right, for you right, to right, coddle right, and think right. I'm cute, you know what I mean? I'm a human being. So it feeds into some of that 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 same lane. But um but yes, I think that you know, we've we've made some moves, but you still have like the actors and everything, folks that won't show up to the Oscars or whatever because right. there's not the, the awards are kind of desperate or, or but, you know, you still have these these you know people walking into churches and doing doing. Crazy there's things. some people that haven't evolved mm-hmm. completely, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of mm-hmm. it do their upbringing and the people mm-hmm. that influence them when they're young. Mm-hmm. But just to be clear, what when I made the reference to. Mixed race. Yeah. I I guess I use an exotic example, but what I was really trying to say is that Mm -hmm. it's normalized, you know, is to a large degree where it's Mm -hmm. you see people of mixed race and it's Mm -hmm. not just black and white. It's like white and Asian. And especially here in California, you see so much of it. It, When I was younger, Mm -hmm. it stood out. Sure. Now. Sure. It's just well, normal. So you and I have the benefit of saying that here on the left coast of California. So I think one thing that's come up, particularly in this political environment that we're in, is that not everybody is feeling that. Like no, you and no. I California is okay, different. Right? I get it. <laughs> like you I get California it. and New York, yes. Melting pot. A lot of people have run to the coastline to escape more traditional and conservative thinking. That's right. You know? Yes. Um, although someone was trying to say that Poway was one of the largest concentrations of the Aryan Brotherhood in San Diego. Did you see that? Comment? I saw that. I'm like, I don't have yeah, no evidence I would of love, this. It'd be interesting to get a, a cop on to say whether or not that's true. Yeah. But um, we, I think, have a... a a lane that's unique. I don't know that the, the middle of the country has as much of that experience. I recently did with with the idea that interracial mixing is okay. I, I did my twenty three and Me um, recently because you know black folks. You start with slavery, right? And sometimes that's hard. You know, it's yeah. hard. Like I yeah. don't know you know, where am I from? Where are my people? Africa's a continent. It's not a country. Yeah. You know? So it was kind of cool to tease out. You know, I got a lot of the largest concentration of the sub-Saharan African part of me is Nigerian. And then it gets kind of like Congolese and, nice. and Ghanaian, and so, which is kind of cool. Yeah. You kind know, of like, oh, OK. But when I looked at that, they show you on 23andMe kind of a global map and they put hotspots in terms of the places that your your DNA comes from. Um, my mother, 
you know, Irish immigrant from Ireland, it's like UK and Ireland, boom. It's like one spot on the map, <laughs> you know, and then you do me and my children and it's just like, it's like yeah. a white supremacist nightmare, you know? <laughs> like, like, oh my goodness, this person, what's happening? Right, you know, this right. human being. And, um, and I always had that. It's funny, when I look back, even in my little town of Lompoc, there were, every gal that I dated, their parents had an issue with the fact that I was not. Well, then this is in California on the left coast. Exactly. So, you know, this is maybe 20 years ago. This was in the 80s. In the 80s. Yeah, it's still. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I know. I think maybe it's my current. I didn't get much of that at all. My immediate, you know, my wife's parents, my wife's wife and her parents were I've never heard they're artists, which maybe biases them a little bit. Maybe they're a little more <laughs> inclusive, but never heard a peep. You know, never that never came up ever. Um, but that commentary around like the mongrelization of, oh. of folks, you yeah. Know, is, uh, so is we're tough. making progress, but yeah. I mean, have you on the topic of mixed race specifically yeah. in recent times, like the yeah. last five years or so, have you encountered resistance of some form? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I have. It's kind of funny because you know what I have been looking at. There's there's this organization called Jack and Jill, mm-hmm. which is run by black mothers specifically for raising like black family centric kind of typically upper middle class. Like you know, I, I think it was started by the the wives of like doctors and lawyers and these kinds of folks wow. in society that were. Hoping, you know, in the same way that there's country clubs and affinity organizations for white folks, they were kind of creating one for black folks. Okay. And I was kind of curious about whether what our local chapters were. You know, I was looking I, at I've this never yesterday. heard of this. This is, this is cool. I know. <laughs> I know, right? So, so Jack and Jill is this, uh, it's almost like a Greek organization, like black folks in frats to click up. Like they, there's a lot of like... Mm-hmm. Um, fraternity and community and and collective you know helping which you know most cultures have some sort of flavor of that like the the, the underground railroad whatever it is the communication network for us to stay linked and protective and yeah. supportive and helpful so jack and jill is that kind of for school age k-12 through kinds of activities but i was curious about whether or not there were any white moms on there who might have be married to a black man and have like biracial children and like how all that works and yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of that. <laughs> did, did it exist at all? No, I didn't see one white woman in, okay. in all that. You know, so I, I, I haven't had that conversation. I'm, I'm only saying that to say, you know, it kind of cuts in both directions. I, fo- folks of mixed race often will complain about that, about being in this weird middle space yeah, and not sure. knowing which identity to hold up or not. Yeah. People, when I come across the scene, people just see me as non-white. Like, I don't get confused as white, but they don't necessarily know the rest. You know, I've been Panamanian, Puerto Rican, Colombian, <laughs> you know, m- m- black folks know off the jump. So, so black folks can tell, and I'm sure this is true for like Filipinos or other Asian folks, like they can spot one of their own quick, regardless of of if you've mixed it up a little bit. So, you know, brothers on the block, like I, I, I can, I, eye contact and, and, and acknowledgement happens quick within uh, a black environment. It makes sense. White folks, you know, they don't, they, I'm kind of, you know, um, there used to be a thing called passing. If you were light enough to kind of not attract attention, 
as a person of African descent, like you could pass, right? And then you were afforded, you, you know, you were in the house or you were afforded other benefits because of your skin tone. So that kind of exists still. So oh, I, I, I believe, I, you know, that. the darker you are, there was a lot of uproar around the OJ time when there was like darkening up his skin on some of those magazine covers right, and just right. a real demonization. Right, right. And um, so I am real conscious of this in-between space that I'm in, my access, my own privilege on the spectrum of um, of people of color because of my, you know, I can talk, talk, walk the walk. I got all the pedigree and the documents <laughs> and the papers and everything. So I can sit here across yeah. from you in a way that maybe, you know, Kanye might find different. But see, to be, to the, be but the fact that you yeah. have a mixed race mm-hmm. background mm-hmm. gives you a unique perspective. Oh, for sure. I love you know, it. No, I embrace it today. Yeah. 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 You, you can see things differently. Mm-hmm. You can bring value. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you can bring mm-hmm. value into these conversations mm-hmm. and open up eyes. Mm-hmm. And you can do it from a place of, of empathy with, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm white, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but, but you're part white, yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah, there's a connection yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, 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 um, yeah. but you're also black yeah. and there's a connection there. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. have a, a nice opportunity mm-hmm. to bring people together. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I really want to do actually. So I agree with you. It took me a while to come to that. I think being in the middle was lonely sometimes as oh, a kid sure. and adolescent and trying to figure out your space and, you know, where do I be? Am I at the back of the bus with the brothers or am I like, you know, in my gate program classes and people making fun of the Ebony magazine at my house and stuff like that. Like if, navigating that was challenging. Yeah. But, um, yes, I love today that, you know, we just found out before this, you, John Riley, my mother's an Irish immigrant like that, being able to have that. Yeah. I often will joke that I'm black Irish, actually. <laughs> but that, that, that has a mean something, doesn't it? It doesn't mean of African descent. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, what does that mean? In the I think black Irish, like just darker, like there's that kind of dark haired and fair skinned, like mix yeah, thing. Yeah. Right? Okay. That's what that, that is. That, that black Irish kind okay. of the, the, the darker uh, features. It doesn't mean this. <laughs> but Irish folks will get a chuckle when I say it. You, you know, know what, the, what you would remind me of is you remember Carlos Murphy's? It was like a restaurant, no. and it was Mexican and Irish together. Oh, that's and, so funny! And I just I don't know why I'm thinking uh, of that. Well, no, you know my because uh, they would have potato skins no, with Mexican no, stuff no. on it. My, my the best man in my wedding. So I, I have like the United Nations of dudes that stood up for me when I got married. My son was just looking at the picture the other day. But in town here is my uh, good friend. Uh, Chris McKim and uh, we will often joke about this because we both have this like part Irish and then this other piece and so uh, I mean I can't, I probably can't even repeat some of his commentary but it, just that particular mixture of like Mexican and Irish because yeah. that, that's his particular mixture he had all kinds of jokes and things that he likes to reference related to behavior and things that are just you know hilarious but uh so I get so so you may say that that mix is funny, but I get that mix personally because my buddy is okay. Chris McCann, well, you know. Is, well, is, is I, I didn't Irish really mean. Like well, the, I was just thinking an Irish with a non-Irish mix yeah. that has been celebrated in some yes. way. Yes. Oh, and, I see. And here yeah, it says a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and they're yeah, bringing two yes. things together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it wasn't long ago that it was no dogs or Irish allowed. It's funny. It's been yeah. interesting to see yeah. our progress as a nation over time around what white actually is, you know? So for a long time, you know, Italians, Jews, Catholics, yeah. you know, we weren't in the club. Right. And, um, cause it was wasp. Yeah. Cause it was super waspy. Yeah. 
So, uh, so to your progress point, clearly we're making some considerations around that. Um, but we have more to do. We do. Yeah, we have more to do. I'm, I'm really this, this idea about Poway though, and what we might do. Um, and the thing that I really get into, um, is I think with the me too movement with women and people of color, I think largely kind of raising their voices on the planet, that there's a unique opportunity for straight white dudes, but I think men in general around how we use our privilege, our power, our agency, our access to resources to be more um, conscious and inclusive. Um, power in the hands of unconsciousness just turns into people, you know, blowing things up and, and yeah. doing things that are yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, and, and one of the things that I get into is like uh, men's rite of passage work. So, you know, there used to be men's movements and like, you know, promise keepers or like stuff like this, right? Like that, <laughs> yeah. that sought to try to, to do some of that in response to the feminist movement uh, in the like 60s and 70s. And there's something to this idea that for a long time, peoples on the planet would kind of take men through a rite of passage. Like cultures still do it around bat mitzvahs or, yeah. uh, you know, quinceaneras and stuff like this. But it, largely those are symbolic, I think, these days. But to the extent that you can bring uh, someone that identifies as a man and is treated as such in the, in the world through this, like, break point where they recognize the end of themselves and the beginning of something bigger, call it God, call it spirit, call it community, call it something that you're in service to mm-hmm. beyond your limited small insufficient self you know because from that perspective men are typically trying to bang and but you know yeah. do that yeah that hyper masculine yeah. thing that if we can gift men with an awareness of their connectivity to the planet and to each other and to everybody there's um a certain expanded awareness and an ability to be of service instead of just on the take um we have an environment where we're engineered so often to consume and to go get. And and a lot of masculinity is kind of wired that way. Like that's, you know, yeah. get on that white horse and go slay that dragon. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. the expectation that yeah. we're all given. And I think, you know, you're seeing it in the Gillette ads and different things. Like the more we can rewire that for uh, the little dudes on the planet coming up behind us to say, well, no, actually mothering and nurturing and being open and receptive and listening and loving are powerful capabilities and required, not just powerful, but actually required um, for your growth into whole humanness. And I don't know, that that's that particular place. And I think that's also what makes me empathize so much for guys like you, you know, for like from a male perspective, the things, the messaging that we get to be strong, don't be emotive, <laughs> don't communicate with anybody, have right. it all figured out, like uh-huh. shut up and power through. Yeah. yeah. That's just a recipe for Matt. I feel it. I know. I bet you feel it too, right? Like that's just a, a pressure cooker. Yeah, yes, it is. You know, yes, for a lot of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of my mission field, if you will, these days is having these kinds of conversations about um engineering empathy into the system and creating more connectedness you know yeah um 
So I don't know. I don't know how we do that, like through citywide politics. Yeah, <laughs> but, 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 it, but it has to just start with just talking. I think. Yes, I agree. Yeah. You know, agree. And, and just getting to know people yeah. and, and learning, yeah. active listening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm learning from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, already we, we mm. were already talking about a number of things. They're very, yeah. very interesting, and yeah. um, I think that's how we come together, yeah. Yeah. rather than self segregating yeah. yeah. in, into our little nooks. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy. So that Brian Stevenson that I was rec- referencing. He has kind of four lanes that he refers to to try to get after some of the dysfunction in our criminal justice system. But he talks about proximity as one of the major ones, you know, that getting really being able to onboard some discomfort and the reality that we don't all know everything. So how do we deal with that? Deal with the fact that this is tough. So how do you stay hopeful in the midst of like, you know, this is like a marathon we're talking about. This isn't, there's no light switch for this. Yeah, kind of thing. right. But that, um, you know, the proximity piece is is important. And then the story piece too, like, you know, what do you mean by the proximity piece? What does that mean? Getting up close like this, what you and I are doing. You know what I mean? Like it's easy for me to sit in my loft in my place and I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) You're not cool. You know what I mean? Like do all that, you know, like, but to get out here Mm -hmm. and, and go, we're sharing the street here. Like what, what should we do? You know, we're, our taxes go to, this community in one way or another and what do we want to do here you know we've decided to lay down our you know put our tent stakes in here so we're going to be here a while so what's possible you know is this the way we want it and if not how do we do it different you know yeah Um, but having these conversations you know they always say that politics is mm. downstream from culture, right? Mm, mm. Sometimes we all want to go to the politics and create mm, mm, a solution mm, 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 and our city leaders will do mm, this. Mm, mm, but I think it has to start culturally mm, and then really upstream from culture. Mm, it's just individuals like you and I just mm, having the conversation mm, and opening mm, it up so we can influence culture. Mm, um, I think that's how we'll be able to make positive change. I totally agree. You know, so, you know, it it seems like, you know, a long time ago, there was a an open square Mm -hmm. where people would congregate and we don't have that as much, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I know I'm that way here, even in my own neighborhood, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. cocoon. Mm -hmm. But we need to connect more. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, you see them happen around political movements like the town hall or whatever. And I think there was one after the Chabad shooting. Uh, yeah, the there? school district hosted an event at RB High. Did you go? I did not go. Um, you, you know, anything like that. And we do them here. There's plenty of culture in Poway. Obviously, like they do the rodeo. They do stuff. Like, stuff yeah. happens. Yeah. I mean, I missed the Americana days. I heard about that. Actually, I did have an interesting conversation with Kaylin Frank just about how the city approaches some of these ideas. And, you know, I, I immediately was going after, like, the city budget, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was my, uh, you know, bright idea around, okay, where are the dollars and where do they go? And she was like, okay, brother, you know, pause just for a second. Here's how these things come about. Here's where the dollars usually come from. They're usually community-led. And yeah. That was a great reorienting. So yeah. I, you know, hats off and a nod to, to Kaylin around that. But my point is there's certainly interest groups and things that happen, you know, and I think to your point, the more we're able to just kind of sit down and go, okay, there's a gap here or we, we live, we'd like to see this more of this. Then we just organize to, to do it. I mean, it's like, well, how many people are in this town? 40,000, 50,000 people. I think it's about 50. Yeah. yeah. That's totally doable to kind of 
I think, you know, affect some change. It only takes a small group of committed people, you know. Well, what you've been in Poway, you say, for like about it, was it a year? In August, it'll be a year. Okay, so almost. So, what what are what has been your experience living in Poway? Man, I still feel new. I, I, it's very similar to where I grew up. So I'm used to kind of the city in the country vibe. Yeah, I love the trails. I like seeing the horse like crosswalk signs that are up high. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah. Um, um, it's been great. My kids love their schools and their teachers. Um, my neighbors are friendly and super, I mean, you know, people from around the block come over to see what's happening and how are you doing and welcome to the neighborhood. Um, grocers and the the bank folks and, you know, like my, my, well, I guess some of that's been done in RB, but you know, (laughs) in Poway, it's been great. There was that, that was that, that one spot, the corner cafe. Oh yeah, with, were, the, like, with, the with the K. Yeah, yeah that, that has caused me when I drive past that. I kind of go. There's only two. There's only two. But they went out of business, didn't they? I think so. I was just looking them up. I think so. I think so. Yeah. So did Cully's. I think someone was telling me. It's a shame. We've lost some restaurants in town. Oh really? I remember I went to the RB Poway football team game. Oh, yeah, that's a big deal. I know. And that that was one of my litmus tests to be like, okay, let me go see, like, what's happening around here to, to like, see where my kids were going to be. And there was, like, no black kids playing football. And I'm like, how is this possible? You know, I figured this would be where I would find, like, folks. Yeah. And um, it's just the reality of the situation. You know, there's just not a lot of – the diversity isn't high in the environments that we're in, which I – it just is what it is. I mean, to to say we need to start, like, shipping in, you know – black folks just because you know what I mean I don't know I, you know I have that conversation often in churches too like I don't know if that's you know it feels a little contrived right but, but you know uh, the, I think Poway yeah Poway is not as diverse as a lot of other places yeah, even yeah. in San Diego County yeah. I think I'm trying to remember the demographic profile but definitely whites as a percentage of the population is greater than Poway than San Diego County as a whole but um, I think so. Yeah, I think there's five to six percent black folks in the in San Diego, and there's like one point two percent. Yeah, here. that sounds it's about right. Mainly yeah. like Hispanic folks. Yeah, and then the Asian, larger, and, and, and the Asians change yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's more that definitely more that needs to be done. And you yeah. kind of wonder, does that happen through the evolution of, you know, the cultural changes? Um, do you do you try to put policies together to make those changes? Um, Good questions. And I think a lot of it goes to education. This is Mm -hmm. kind of my angle, Mm -hmm. is that Poway academically has a pretty Mm -hmm. good school district. Mm -hmm. Business, financial-wise, it's a train wreck in many ways. Um, But academically, it's pretty good. Um, But there's a lot of people that are blocked access from Mm -hmm. coming to the school district. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I think in a lot of ways that's, that's, that's harmful. You know? See, now you're in waters I'm totally ignorant to. So I'm not familiar with the traditional wranglings around. I mean, I know that Poway holds the school district up as kind of the crown jewel for yeah. why folks gravitate towards the environment. Yeah. But in terms of its access, resources, amenities, how it's funded, you know, the t- money going to the teachers versus the schools and all that, I honestly am ignorant to it. I um, I think it is a little bit contrived to just kind of try to force fit people into the, like, I get like if everyone's just clamoring to get yeah. there, like it's got a capacity and you can't like yeah. all comers, you can't take all comers. So 
for me, <clears throat> I used to make the joke like you're not going to ship. We, you know, if you've got a a, a, a business office in Antarctica, you're not going to start. <laughs> you know, like get a bunch of Nigerian yeah, folks. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like that's as, as yeah. one of your metrics yeah. for success. I don't yeah. think that, that that you're doing yourself any favors for doing that. But you can create inclusive environments, nonetheless. No question. You know yeah. that have a high degree of empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, shout out to Brene Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I've lived in Poway since 1996 mm-hmm. and half that time was way in the southeast corner of town mm-hmm. on the end of Garden Road. Where, you said that. Where is Garden Road? Well, it's like at the very end of Poway Road, kind of um, right before it goes up the hill to Ramona. There's like a 7-Eleven there at a stoplight. Mm-hmm. That's Garden Road. And you go down that. That's an old community. Oh in yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I used to we used to live out there, um, and then we moved here to Green Valley in '07. Mm. Mm. And we came here specifically because of the school district. And this is oh. before we had children. We had married, yeah. um, had a condo in yeah. Carmel Mountain, yeah. and said so we want to start a family. Mm-hmm. And we bought a house in Poway mm. because of the school district, mm. and because it seemed to have a. You know, there was kind of the whole country yeah. vibe yeah. was kind of different, you know, and I thought this sounds kind of interesting. Um, and other people have commented, oh, it was a really nice community. Mm-hmm. So we're here, you know, and it's interesting. Um, you had referenced a video for me to watch mm. in that Facebook stream. Mm-hmm. And one of them was people will sometimes self-segregate. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think about it and I'm like, well, when we moved to Poway. You know, that was never even on the radar of our consideration, at least consciously. Mm -hmm. You know, was it unconsciously? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But this the city has um, to me, it's a very interesting blend of people. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the people in this town are fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a wonderful community. Mm -hmm. And you have that sort of shotguns and pickup trucks kind of angle. You've got a wealth angle. Mm -hmm. You've got a. different degrees of wealth, mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. at the very high end mm-hmm. and some at the very low end. Mm-hmm. Um, and But generally, socioeconomically, we're probably overall, upper middle. Oh, yeah. yeah no yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Overall <clears throat> upper middle. And um, the demographic profile is, as you just explained, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting um, to see now the city struggle with some of these issues that have come forward. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, um, the spray painting of the swastika on the home in December, mm-hmm. um, there was a hate crime then, um, you know, the, obviously the, the Chabad shooting, mm-hmm. it was awful. Um, and I just see, I see parts of our city come together in a beautiful mm-hmm. way and want to express love and togetherness, mm-hmm. but then still, there's still some ugly truths that still exist that people yeah. tend to like not want to see it. Yeah. They want to pull the window curtain down yeah, yeah, yeah. and they are isolated cases, but mm. they still are real. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever really addressed them properly. And I think the, the shooting was just so extreme, mm-hmm. but let's set that one aside mm. with the fullest respect. Mm-hmm. And there's some of lesser degree mm-hmm like the swastika painting. Mm-hmm. And then there's been other sorts of um, um, hate speech that has been spray painted on school facilities. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
sometimes you, you get a sense that the authorities get in there to kind of quickly cover it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And rather than really talking it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm glad we're doing this. I, I cannot agree more with you. I think to, to use the kind of marriage and partnership analogy again, like I'm going to continue to hurt my wife's feelings, hopefully not as often as I used to. But there's blind spots in my behavior that are going to come up. <laughs> yeah, me right? too. Right? Yeah, we can totally. all raise our hand on that. And we do stupid <laughs> stuff, foot in mouth, right? <laughs> but, it, but if we have process for repair, I think, I think we do ourselves a disservice if we're all – because we, we're all – you know, we're in this kind of like shiny tinsel Hollywood and exceptionalist environment where it's all about heroism and like – can do ativism. Like yeah. that's our kind of ethos is mm-hmm. like get it done and like oh success and, and metrics and do. And so we sweep under the rug all of our like blind spots and adequacies yeah, and yeah, stuff you yeah, want to yeah. hear people about and you know yeah. somebody you know, they're in recovery and they were in a halfway house with yeah. their kid and you know, like all that we don't mm-hmm. want to talk about any of that stuff in the in the town square. No, no. But that stuff is real. It is real. And a part of being a human being. Yes it is. And so Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you to the extent that we can create environments and containers for healthy dialogue and conversation and for folks who have been pushed down to the outside to actually feel heard. I mean, that's like half the battle. Huge. Yeah. Just for the like. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. The me too part, the like with you part. That's like a huge part, you know. So, you know, there, there, someone posted in um, the transgendered gals' comments at a local city council meeting, I think, mm-hmm. which I found just like, again, an example of what you're saying, right? Is it rampant? Do we have all this, cra- you know, like m- maybe not, but it's it's definitely a part of someone's experience here. Yeah, it still exists. Yeah, so... Um, it would be great if we, do, you know, and I know that the, like, I think I was making this comment too. I think the faith communities do do, and not just the interfaith one. There's some interfaith thing that happens more kind of North County or up the 15 corridor. But here, I think in Poway RB, maybe the gentleman that leads the Lutheran congregation right next to the Chabad, I think they do, they, that guy, the, the, the Orthodox community next to it, and I think the Chabad and then a variety, like the maybe mm-hmm. St. Michael's or, you know, the, the, the Catholic organization, they group up and at least have some of this conversation for what's going on for their faith communities. It would be great if there was a similar vehicle kind of community-wide or within Poway to kind of just have listenings, you know, just have a listening spaces to, okay— I'm not here to fix anything, but I, I I get you're not feeling heard. So let's just well, maybe this podcast could be that. This is maybe one piece of it, you know. Jr. Johnny Riley, <laughs> my man. I think uh, <laughs> I really think that that's true. I think that there's the potential to highlight the various voices and maybe folks that wouldn't otherwise be heard or seen or in Poway. I think you have a beautiful opportunity actually to broker some of that. Well, that's what I'm going to try to do. You know? and, <laughs> I applaud and, you and, and, you know, I always talk about, mm. you know, uh, Marianne Kim Phelps, the superintendent of the school district. Mm. And she had that article, uh, No Place for Hate, that was mm-hmm. a guest editorial in the, in the Poway paper. Yeah. And she put forward these ideas mm. to confront hate. And one of them was mm. is to have difficult conversations. Oh, yes. And 
And in order to do that, we have to be able to listen and do it with respect. And so a lot of times, you know, you go and people say, don't talk about politics. Don't talk mm-hmm. about religion. Mm-hmm. But those are the most important oh, things to talk man. about. Those and, are our- but you have to have the right mindset where mm-hmm. you're not going to be like personally mm-hmm. offended yeah. or it doesn't get emotional. Yeah. Yeah. That you can just listen yeah. and understand. Yeah. And you might disagree, mm-hmm. but you can disagree in a polite way. Yeah. Yeah. And in some cases, you're going to open your mind up to a whole yeah. new set of ideas that you had yeah. no clue about. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, these are the mo- I mean, chit-chatting about the weather. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah, BS. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. this yeah. is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. There's a gal... That does an NPR show out of Wisconsin. Oh, I can't remember. Krista Tippett. Mm -hmm. And she actually has, I think, some kind of canned models for brokering civil discourse across Really? Division, yeah. I, I uh, because the, you know you're, you're uh, singing my song, basically. This this kind of thing, um, standing in the divide and, and holding space. Yeah, I, I'm enamored with too. It's near and dear to my heart. But she, she yeah, I, I'll send it to you. Is it like yeah. a framework? Yeah, it's like a framework. So it's like a rules yeah, of engagement. Exactly. It's like a packet. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And speaking of that, actually, so I brought so so I'm, and maybe we'll list this when we're done. Can I show you a couple books? Of course, that are on my reading list. Yes, please. All right, one was this is White Men as Full Diversity Partners. This is for you. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, it's um, these two guys up in the Pacific Northwest. I think in Oregon, they've written a book actually too. Uh, where's their book? You know, this comes up in in. Um, corporate context, right? For like, oftentimes the diversity and inclusion conversation is just had with like women and people of color. And so white guys will be on the outside of the conversation feeling like pariahs and targeted and like, (laughs) how do I even, you know, have the conversation with you all? I get there's a problem, but I don't know what to do with it. So these are two white guys that have created a lane for welcoming uh, other white guys into the conversation and, and whatnot. So I just got this actually. And, um, and was flipping through this. This has a lot of great, just like, this will be eye opening. I think just for you as a, as a, if you want to step into these waters and do, yeah, continue I, to have I'm this all about listening and learning and I'll, I'll explore. Sure. That's for you. And then cool. that, that, that's the book. Four the, days uh, to change. Four days to change. This was okay. the, the uh, white fragility. This is this one is triggering as all get out. Well, the right, title itself is right. triggering. I know you're like, what white person wants to open this up? Like, screw you, lady. But um, that's part of the challenge with this whole thing. Yes. Is is uh, and we talked about it when you mm. initially asked me about how I felt yeah. about white privilege. Yeah. If you take it personally, it can mm. be very triggering. But sometimes yeah. it's hard to not take it personally. Oh. My wife has said things to me that I got to walk away and come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. True. It's, I, I, you know, hurt people, hurt people. As they say, you know, it, 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 that's what does feed a lot of the divisiveness is if we, if I've been unheard for a long period of time, what you, the energy you're getting from me may not be refined in a way for you to receive it well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yes, I think it does require some intestinal fortitude and some emotional 
um, empowerment for us to get into a space where we can kind of breathe, yeah. trust, yeah. and kind of do this like back and forth and mm-hmm. me not call you fragile and you not call me <laughs> emotional, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and have the real talk. But, yeah. but, it, she, and I think she does this on purpose. She does kind of poke a little bit on purpose. Well, she is a little bit. helps sell books, too. You know, it may do. Yeah, yeah. It may do. But it is meant it to be provocative. It, but uh, yeah. I know all of Amazon have their leadership team, you know, sit for this conversation. It is it's heavy. It's She comes with a heavy bat, you know. Oh, but I think it's meant to really sound the alarm around, you know, the the the. Being silent, you know, Martin Luther King talked a lot about that too. That it wasn't the it, when, when it's all said and done, it's not the the voice of your enemy that you're yeah. upset about. It's the silence of your friends. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, where are you at? Yeah. So she kind of moves into that with some the, strength. The one thing though that I'll say this when I see mm. like white fragility, mm-hmm. you know, uh, white privilege, yeah. it, it it sometimes it just seems like such a broad brush, you know, that it's assigning a value to the whole race. You know, rather than looking at each individual, because mm-hmm. some white people are very fragile. Mm-hmm. Others are not. It varies, right? By individual. Agreed. Agreed. I think when we start to see trends, it might because we, we got to call. We got to agree. So I could call this a chair. It might not be, a specific, you know, that might be a, a better way to call that a chair. But mm-hmm. we have to have some agreed upon language. So I, I agree I get why people try to bucket. We just do that to try to kind of label something or put yeah. a label on something. Yeah. I also get that all labels are not entirely helpful. Right. So that's, so that, that's part of my, Even saying white and black, right? Like yeah. I could, am I black? Are you white? Not really. We've come up with these words to yeah. label people that fit a certain kind of thing, but they're yeah. completely fictitious. Yeah. You know, yeah. identifiers. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Cool. That's what Jesus said. I hear you. Yeah, and I hear you. So yes, all good. So that, that maybe we take the fragility off and just take why it's hard for white people to talk about racism. I do yeah. think there's some meat on that. Th- th- that's a huge you know point. I mean? You know, it is hard for yeah. white people to talk about racism. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, yeah. some are good at it. Mm-hmm. Some don't do it at all. Yeah. And then some are yeah. trained mm-hmm. as children to mm. never talk about it because mm. we don't talk about politics we don't mm. talk about that because mm-hmm. when we talk about that it creates problems yes yeah, um, I'm gonna put but we have to talk for, about it for uh, Zeke's benefit um, yes I do think we have to talk about it I, I, go, I always go back to this damn marriage analogy What's often been hard for me to do in the context of my relationship is if she's coming to me with something that I've done wrong. So if the, if the conversation we're having is about what I missed or didn't do, mm-hmm. my ability to listen and to be responsive is significantly diminished. Unless, yes, it is. Unless I am feeling yes, okay about myself. Yes. If I'm not, if I'm feeling already pressured and overwhelmed and you've come to me with another thing and I've messed up and I screwed up, my ability to be receptive and respond yeah. appropriately yeah. 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 <laughs> is diminished. Yes, it is. So it takes, um, I literally do have to take space sometimes and kind of breathe and go like, okay, who am I? Why am I here? What's going on? Okay, yeah. I'm okay. And then kind of come back to the yes. conversation and do it. So that, that I have my own fragility around all sorts of things. Yeah. You know. Yeah, to, as, as do I. Yeah, know. no doubt. I get you. Um, well, this is just, I, I've, I've, to myself too, I've tried to make a commitment to not just reading white dudes. 
So, because I do, you know? Yeah. And uh, so Robin's a white gal. Uh, Bell Hooks, this is a book called The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love. She is just so good at weaving a story. Um, black feminist, just with um, an incredible amount of um, love, though, too. So she can say all the hard things, but she just really... Uh, wraps it in a gracefulness that so so as a contrast to my friend robin you know this pill is probably a lot easier to swallow but she's nonetheless kind of uh pointed and really helpful so just as an alternative voice what i think needs to be a major voice she can speak into the kind of the topic that we were around around the will to change the will to change men masculinity and love yeah Interesting. <laughs> interesting. You're not yeah. supposed to say interesting, well, John. I, say- mean, I mean, you know, it can go a lot of ways with that. I, I mean, that can I means know. a lot of that. It's deep. I know. That, well, this one, that, so that one, and check this out. To be a man, a guide to true masculine power. Ooh, <laughs> right. That's so, but listen, Is this like a manual? Listen, I know. It's, and it's all black and yeah. gold. And dirt, dirt. But he has a, where's he at? He has a, okay, power means the capacity to take action, simply. So if you just call, if you frame it that way, then it feels a lot less like. Yeah. Dirt, dirt, dirt. But this guy, um, Robert Augustus Masters, ooh, he pulls no punches as well. He covers a lot of ground around kind of like rape culture and like Whoa. masculine violence and aggression and like how to integrate all of these messages and things that you receive in, in culture and kind of be a more integrated uh, man versus what we, you know, versus just like Call of Duty. Interesting. All right. There's one. And then a lot. I got two but you're, more. You're a busy man right I got, here. I, got, I know. These are some of my favorites. This one for any like you know spiritual type people this right here so the christian imagination theology and the origins of race by willie james jennings this is a very academic book okay this Mm -hmm. guy is like a studied theologian um it's like a tome but it really details kind of the beginning of colonialism and charts out white supremacy as it kind of moved with that so like uh, the doctrine of discovery and just really thinking about how the church went and got land and territory. So a lot, a lot of mm. churchy folks, yeah. you know, yeah. use things in the Bible to justify their their conquest and, and, oh, yeah. and you know. all the time. So yeah. so he he weaves then kind of the the racial perspective in here and how once you took bodies off of land before people had no concept of themselves separate of land or even land being like a piece of property, you know, as a, as an asset. Right. It was literally like home, you know, like yeah. well, you're, you were woven to it. it you're inextricably linked. So the mm-hmm. idea that you would take me off of it and claim it was a thing. And so then once you had bodies removed from land and then bodies characterized by how they looked, it became a whole different organization of identity. Anyway, that might be a little too heady, but this book squashed my brain and made it well, I'm going to include uh, links to all of these in the show notes. All right. So the people that listen and watch can can check these Look books out. Look at a window into my brain. They may be yeah. like, don't read this stuff. <laughs> this guy's nuts. Uh, lastly, this came to me. This just came out um, from a local theologian, actually a lo- local uh, kind of educator in the Episcopal Diocese. Um, this is called Connected. So this is a little, now I'm taking it onto the fringes. Is there an earth mind? So did you oh, ever hear about oh, interesting. the studies that were done 
This guy has set up these, and, and, and you can see from the cover of it, there's like um, these little nodes. And so this dude, scientist guy, Princeton University, set up this kind of collection of these random data generating servers all around the world that it would kind of respond to major events like 9-11 and different things like you would see blips like in this random number generator that were not that were not that were significant enough to not just be random they were non-random events that felt like almost emotional responsiveness to things in the ether like when you'd have major world events like really yeah that wow. you, you know the machines would respond so what is that getting after this is probably just more speaking to my deep, deep, deep belief, like as a science person, uh, in the reality, what I believe that matter can neither be created nor destroyed. It's like the second law of thermodynamics, mm-hmm. our inextricable connection to one another, and that we're on a ball of dirt in outer space, literally linked atomically with one another. Like I'm breathing in air mm-hmm. that you breathed out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. every atom in my body rotates every seven. Whatever they say, all those little funny things. We are materially connected. Yes. And I think there are implications to that um, that take us beyond our little tribal concerns and all these squabbles. I mean, we're here for a blink, man. Oh, yeah. And um, so the more we can integrate our understanding of our togetherness, this book, uh, I'm, I haven't cracked it. I've just kind of gotten to the table contents of the first chapter. Um, but I'm really curious to see what he has to, from a science kind of data-driven way, start to get his arms around that connection and mm-hmm. you know um so that's a little woo woo for you but no that's good i, I like i like that so i'm you know, i already made the captain kirk reference earlier yes, there you go that, he will, he yeah. will captain kirk you yeah. right there he'll beam so you up a little when bit. you were when you were sharing i was yeah, originally yeah. thinking about the borg you know and like yeah, we will be yeah, assimilated yeah, yeah, um yes. but uh this is cool yeah, like a, I said, that's what's I'm a, my brain right I'm, now. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is mm-hmm. this is important. So yeah, I'll include links to mm-hmm. all these in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine this is a this is a paper, maybe not published. It's a white paper. No, yeah. it's a, I'll, I'll give you a link to that too. There's a link for that. That's it is published, so I can. Okay, can, yeah, so I'll, you know. I'll include that as well. And I think okay. for people that are listening or watching and they want to dig deeper, yeah, here's a couple of ways they can do that for sure. All right, um, so just. Just to you know, wrap everything up. Um, yeah. By the way, this conversation is just awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm loving this. Yeah. Um, what do you do when you're not reading all these books and thinking about all these heavy topics? I mean, what do you what do you enjoy doing personally? Oh man, I'm a family guy. I think at the end of the day, like yeah. I really, I am conscious. I'm 44 as of May 1st, and you know, I'm in that classic middle of my life season of mm-hmm. kind of recognizing the preciousness of it all, um, recognizing my own limitation, recognizing the gift of my little humans. I got a daughter and a son and and my wife and just really wanting to be as present and conscious to that situation as possible. Um, And then be a light in the world. You know, I, I, I really... This does get heavy quick and feel a little like, <laughs> but it is kind of, it's oddly um, soul food for me too. I, I believe in it a lot. So it's it's not as heavy as, as I think it can be for me. So I would love to, you know, San Diego's home, biotech and science is home. Um, 
and inclusion is home. So I'm gonna be here for a while talking about that. Right on. <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy you live in Poway. Oh, but thank and you. you haven't been here quite a year, but you know, welcome to town, my <laughs> <Amen>. friend. <laughs> and, and I hope we get to know each other a lot better. Yes, likewise. You, you know, we had a couple of little exchange yeah. uh, on on social media yes. in person here, yes. but I'm. I'm really trying. I, I did a podcast earlier about breaking out of comfort zones, right? Oh. And so for me, you know, uh, I'm a recent empty nester. Mm. So my world has changed. Oh, yeah. And so I'm always like, yeah. I'm pushing myself yeah. to get out yeah. and meet people yeah. and engage and yeah. and learn and listen. And so that's why I'm hoping we'll, we'll see each other. Our paths will continue to cross and maybe we'll see each other at a football game at Power yes. High yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or we'll run into each other at the grocery store or who knows. Yes, let's continue the conversation. Yeah. I, I would, I would uh, love to do it. Let's be intentional about it. And, and you are always welcome back here. All right. Okay, so if there's like something that you want to get off your chest, yeah. you want to share it on this podcast, yeah. call me, contact me through social media, okay. and we'd love to have you again. All right. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah.